0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host,
1: Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Distinct True Podcast. Mark Schlerk, live from Hawaii, and uh, Mike Evans, live from Denver, which is exactly <laughs> the way it should be.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, anyhow, however, you're listening to us, man, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. We really do appreciate all the listens, all the views, all the uh, everything that happens. Mike, how are you, buddy?
2: Oh, great, Mark. I'm uh, loving my yep. time here in Denver where it's about 28 degrees and. Uh, by the weekend, it's supposed to be in the teens, single digits, below zero at night. So, yeah, glad you're having a great yeah. time in Hawaii. Hey, oh, is that a tsunami behind you? Oh, That's yeah. Funny.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, actually, it's been kind of windy and rainy. So Oh, too bad. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you got to really bundle up and put on a long sleeve T-shirt uh, and, uh, you know, and longer shorts, you know, those board uh-huh. type of shorts. Yeah. You know? okay, so, anyhow, good. it's just been. It's been blustery. There's no question about it. How are you, buddy?
2: I'm great. I'm great. Looking forward to uh, well the the season. Man, the season flew by, and now here we are with the playoffs. But before we get into the the matchups and 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 your thoughts on the matchups, uh, we we've seen some coaches fired. But are you surprised that we haven't seen as many fired to this point? Yeah, game?
1: yeah. There was a couple of weeks ago where I thought there would be legit. Double digits, like 10 guys that get fired. And there still could be a couple more coming down the pike, but it looks like Matt Eberflus is going to be safe now in Chicago. Um, we all knew that you know, we all knew that Ron Rivera is gonna get let go in Washington. Um, Atlanta, up to a couple of weeks ago, Atlanta felt like Arthur Smith was gonna be safe, and then you know, you can't close out the deal in Atlanta with. Arguably one of the best and the most complete rosters. Now the quarterback is a question mark, one of the most complete rosters in football. And I think that's what frustrates most of the folks in Atlanta is that you have this great roster and you don't use it properly. You're trying to develop a quarterback and not truly using the roster. Um, in, In my, in my opinion, and I like Arthur Smith, but in my opinion, like, Use the roster. Understand the shortcoming to the quarterback, and use the roster in in a way that that basically takes away featuring the quarterback. You know, and eliminates that guy's um, that guy eliminates that guy's um, responsibility toward the offense. You know, you've got to eliminate him as much as possible, and focus and, and put your focus and put your trust in other players. When you're talking about Algier, and you're talking about Robinson, and you're talking about Patterson at the running back position you got Smith at the tight end position Kyle Pitts at the tight end position Drake London at the wide receiver position I mean you're talking about one of the most one of the most complete one of the best rosters in football and you know arguably you can make an argument that one of the best if not the top or right there next to the top offensive lines in football and wasting like what feels to me like wasting that as you're trying to develop Des Ritter you know and then you're then you're taking him out and trying to put in Heineke. it just it just felt like they should be, and I've done so many of their games, they should have had 10, 11 wins. I, I don't think there's any question in my mind, in that division, you should have had 10 or 11 wins. And the fact that you can't get that is the reason that Arthur Smith is no longer employed by the Atlanta Falcons.
2: You've done some Washington games this year. Whoever gets that Washington job, are they walking into something that's uh, potentially attractive? The Or is the cupboard... Bear and you're talking about a, a major rebuild.
1: Yeah. Um, so you have so you've been so focused on building your your football team outside the numbers. And there's a couple things that have happened. One, Sam Howell took a beating this year, and they were so excited about Sam Howell coming into the year. Well, really, I mean, I am sorry, but you operated that offense like Sam Howell was Patrick Mahomes, and he's not. And you have good running backs. You have um, an unbelievable I, – I, I could put Washington at the very top of the heap if you were going, who's the most talented wide receiver core if you go four deep in the National Football League with McLaurin and with Samuel and uh, with uh, Dotson um, and, you know, with De- De'Ami Brown. They have got some talent. But – when you look at their construction, their roster construction, all their tight ends are built essentially the same six foot five, 250 pounds, none of them block not like, so they don't have a mixture of guys that can do multiple things at the tight end position. Um, their offensive line, obviously not very good, but the system with which they played under Eric B did not allow them to be any good. So that's an issue. Um, defensively, you trade away your two best edge players, so I think defensively, I think they've got some issues on the edge um, and that's where they got attacked. That's where San Francisco attacked them in the game I did. They're, they're just not very good on the edge anymore since they got rid of uh, Montez Sweat. They got rid of Chase Dan- uh, Chase Young, who certainly had you know his injury histories. Um, so I don't think it's bare, but I think you need to start building that team from the inside out. Now you have a ton of cap space, but I always wonder, Mike, I always wonder, like, the next GM, whoever that is, are you sitting there going, we got to go chase one of these quarterbacks that, you know, frankly probably isn't worth chasing. And, and so, you know, that's always this balancing act of, of what do you have to do? Where do you go from here? I've heard so much about like Michael Penix Mm -hmm. so much about how good Michael Penix is. I watched him in that national championship game. One, he throws the ball like Uncle Rico. Like I was like, does that look like an NFL? <laughs> does it look like an NFL quarterback. That that may have been the outlier because I've seen I've seen him make some throws over the course of the college football season. I'm not sitting there analyzing or breaking down games, but watching that national championship game, I'm like, this is the guy that everybody gets excited about. This is the guy. I mean, and maybe maybe I'm I'm the crazy one, and he did get hurt, and, and maybe that affected it, but. Um, just from a mechanical standpoint, I'd be very concerned. Then you put the injury stuff on there. Yeah. I mean, that guy looked like looked like a a fourth round quarterback or a third round quarterback in that national championship game. It's going to get elevated in the first round. And I'm not trying to bag on Michael Penix. I just I like, I just didn't, I didn't see. Oh my gosh, like a guy that drives the football and like, you know, throws into tight. When I saw missed reads, I saw missed opportunities, I saw missed throws. And I saw a guy that flutter ducks the ball out there, like a like a. Like I said his arm slot's like right there. And and me personally, and I'm sitting with my son, who you know when it comes to okay. mechanics of throwing, my that, that kid could you know that kid could take your eye out from sixty yards with a rock. Like he just is like he can throw, he can just throw stuff. And and he's going, ah oh, man, I just I hate the mechanics of this guy's release and this that. And this. I don't know. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent with Michael Penix.
2: No, I'm glad you that, did. I'm, I, I'm glad you did because, yeah. you know, you're talking about somebody who, you know, for many teams going into that game Monday night, they were thinking, hey, this could be a top five quarterback. This is somebody like, for example, here in Denver, as they move on likely from Russell Wilson, the idea was, hey, the Broncos are saying at number 12, is this somebody you're going to have to trade up to get? That's how high his stock was going into that game and it'll be curious to see cuz uh, your opinion your analysis of what went down Monday night is being is being said by a lot of people his stock dropped question is you know how much we'll we'll find out as we get closer to the draft um as you mentioned Matt Eberflus in Chicago coming back yeah. is that a sign to you that they're going to continue on with Justin Fields and not and trade the number 1 pick
1: yeah it feels that it feels that way they've got so much they've got so much draft capital right now and then you look at you look at just the way they're constructed, and they've got a couple of guys. They're gonna have to pay DJ Moore, who's an outstanding wide receiver, but they could trade back a little bit, go out and get a Marvin Harrison Jr., add that to DJ Moore. You went out and paid Montez Sweat. Like defensively, they're pretty damn good under Eberflus. Um, and you know, and whatever they lack in talent, they make up for in scheme, hustle, effort. I mean, they are a strike you first defense. They are, they tackle exceptionally well. Um, I was impressed with Chicago on film when I ended up doing a couple of their games. So I just, I think they're a really kind of underrated undervalued team. And then when you start to look at, Hey man, we've got this window and maybe fields is our guy going forward. And maybe it just is because you've seen the progression fields has grown and grown and grown throwing the football. Um, now, you know, his ability to run, his ability to scramble, and his ability to run those 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 quarterback designed runs scares me a little bit because that dude takes some shots. I mean, he flat takes some big hits, which, you know, tends to make you a little bit nervous about the way he plays the game. But with that said, I think like I think they they may end up keeping him and if they do that, the amount of draft not only draft capital they continue to mm-hmm. accumulate but how the draft capital works for your salary cap. I mean, you think about if, let's say they have, in in just pure draft capital, let's say the first three or four rounds, let's say they end up stockpiling and they've got, you know, they've got a couple of first rounders this year, next year, they've got a couple of second rounders. So you hit on 50% of those guys. Yeah. And 50% of them become really good players. Let's say there's, let's say in the next two years, you've got, Let's say you've got eight guys in that first three rounds or so. And I don't know what the numbers are, but let's just say that it's something of that nature. And you hit on 50% of those guys. You hit on four of them, become big-time players. Well, now not only do you have some big-time players at, at you know positions of interest to you, but on top of that, now all of a sudden you've got salary cap certainty because these guys are going to cost you what they're going to cost you and the first runner is going to cost you that for 5 years now if they play, you know, they play really well at the end of 3 years or whatever you're going to renegotiate those deals but um you've created a window and you can play you're going to have to pay Justin Fields but are you going to pay him the top salary of quarterbacks Are you going to pay him that second tier? And that second tier is a very manageable tier for quarterbacks to come in at about, you know, 25 to 35 million bucks somewhere in there. It's a very manageable tier. So I could see them holding on to Justin Fields, and um, and just continuing to stockpile um, really good players that are highly drafted.
2: While we're talking about these coaches, you and I here as we talk, it's uh, day number three and still no resolution when it comes to Bill Belichick in New England. Is is this one of those things that the longer it goes on, the more likely he stays, or is what is happening right now simply uh, the Patriots and Belichick maybe going out and assessing trade value, things like that?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably um, a matter of where Belichick is going to coach and the value that you create in a trade scenario for Belichick. Like, I think most people out there that follow this league feel like there may be some deal already in place with Vrabel. Like Vrabel get and Vrabel didn't feel like a firing to me as much as it felt like a mutual parting of ways, like a release. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, just like, like Vrabel was like, Hey man, you know, we know that this is the way it is and I'm going to move on. But if you look at what Vrabel did, especially in the first few years of his coaching tenure, like he won football games on a consistent basis with a, what many would say is a second or third tier quarterback sure. in Ryan Tannehill. You know, and yeah, they had to pay him, but they didn't have to pay him top dollar. And they won a heck of a lot of football games with him, constructed the way that he wants to construct a team, and that is win from the inside out, build a bully as an offensive line, build a bully as a defensive line. And let's not overvalue wide receivers. Let's not overvalue, you know, the, the passing game. Let's create a passing game that's built off our run game. And let's, let's do that. And that's kind of the, they're, they're a little bit different scheme wise, but that's kind of the San Francisco philosophy. And one of the reasons San Francisco, you know, is so damn good. Although one thing about that, and this is an interesting statistic. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I think San Francisco is Owen 38 under Kyle Shanahan when they, 0-38 under Kyle Shanahan when they are down in the fourth quarter. Huh. When they're down by a touchdown or more in the third in the fourth quarter. 0-38. Oh, 0-38. Oh, wow. They have, they have not come back. I believe that's the statistic. You might want to check that out, but it's I know it's close. Um and which is, you know, I was talking to Trey Wingo about this yesterday, and we were just having a discussion. He goes, Why do you think that is? And I go, Well, because The way they're designed, they are designed to run a system. They're designed to run the football, to run it well, to attack the edge of your defense with multiple different looks. Like San Francisco can beat you up on the edge. If you're a defensive end, for instance, your defensive end, you have to defend, let's call the wide zone. Let's say, okay, we're going wide zone. So just keep track of this for me, would you? Just give me a check mark for each one I said. Sure. Okay. Okay. So now you have to develop, you go, okay, we're going to line up in, in just like strong, right? And we're going to hit you with tackle tight end in a tray block off the edge. That's how we're going to, how we're going to beat the defensive end up to the second level. So that's one. Then we're going to line up in West with two tight ends and we're going to use two tight ends to attack the end of the line of scrimmage. Okay. So that's a quad, right? We're going to do that. Now we're going to line up the same thing in uh, in a tight end and a tackle, but now we're going to motion the back, the the, the fullback, out of the backfield, so we're in maybe uh, weak right. And now we're going to motion him, and the, t- the tackle's going to move down, and the tight end and the fullback are going to double-team the defensive end to the next level. Okay, now we're going to line up in the same thing, and the tight end is going to arc release and get width on the defensive end, and now the fullback, is going to trap him okay we can do the same thing but now it's going to come from the opposite tight end so he's going to come down the line of scrimmage so it's going to change the angle now we're going to arc release now the tight end the backup tight end is going to trap him on the outside now all of a sudden we're on there and the motion <laughs> receiver is going to come down and the tight end and the receiver are going to run a quad block to the second level oh wait a minute now we're gonna run our transportation series and we're motion to tight end from outside in short motion He's going to trap him on the outside in a crack and the other tight end is going to loop around and take the next level. And I could go on and on and on. So think about what that does to a defensive end. Now your head's on a swivel. Who's going to freaking block me? We're running the same play. All we've done is changed the entry point of two different guys, right? We're running the same play, but now we've blocked you seven different ways. So now your head's on a swivel and all of a sudden we get into a third down and four. And we throw the ball out of that. What happens? You're not even pass rushing. You're like, okay, where are they going right. to hit me from? What, where, where's it coming from? And now all of a sudden you're a 1,001. Oh, shoot, it's a pass. Now I'm going to restart. my. Well, you're not getting there. You're not going to get there. Um, but I say all that to say that's how they run the football and they set up their play action stuff off of that. So they're not a team that gets into three-by-one formation spread and say, hey, man, just go win on a route. Just go beat your guy. That's not how they operate. And so I guess my theory is when they get behind, they still have to operate their offense. Right. And they create big plays through their run game and their play action the way it connects. So that would be the reason for me on the outside looking in of why they're 0-38 when they're down in the fourth quarter under Kyle Shanahan.
2: Last thought on the coaches here before we get into the games, after watching the national championship on Monday and watching the Harbaugh family show and John and Jim, we, we got to get Jim back into the NFL. We got to, we got to have John and Jim yeah. back together in the NFL. It's just, it's, it's too good. And, and mom and dad and all, all that stuff. It's uh it was a good, it was, it was fun to watch Monday night. And I think it's, it's time for Jim to come back. Sorry, Michigan. I think it's time for Jim to come back to the pros.
1: <laughs> I agree. I was uh, I was um, so excited for the Harbaugh family, and you know I'm I'm tight with John Harbaugh, so I was texting with John um, just after the championship game, um, just because it's 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 really cool, man, and, and the fact that he's won a you know a Super Bowl championship and. Jim is now a national champion in college and they played against each other in the Super Bowl several years ago when Jim was the head coach of San Francisco. It's just a really really cool thing. And so um I'm with you, man. It feels like it's time. It feels like to me it's going to happen. And then you talk to a lot of people, I mean the majority of everybody on that roster or, you know, are seniors that are going to leave, right? So mm-hmm. it was like you had this perfect storm of great players that you built up over the years. And I know that that's college football in general, but it feels like a great time to, uh, exit and, uh, and move on. That's, that's what it feels like. So good for, for Jim, good for the Harbaugh family. Really cool to watch.
2: Let's get into these games. Cause it's a super wild card weekend. We get some really, right. really fun matchups with, uh, some, some terrific storylines. We've got Cleveland and Houston, Just a few weeks ago, these two teams played in Houston. No C.J. Stroud for Houston. That was the game where Amari Cooper went off had like 265 yards uh, receiving. We we got the rematch just a few weeks later. Uh, Houston's coming in off a good win over Indy to clinch the division. How do you see this one?
1: Um, I think this is one that I would look at and say, I think Cleveland is probably going to beat them down a little bit. Um, Hey man, it's been a great run in Houston. I think, uh, uh I think, uh, you know, their head coach is going to be coach of the year. Um, D'Amico Ryans, I think he's going to be the coach of the year. Um, obviously CJ Stroud is probably going to be the rookie of the year or the offensive player, rookie of the year, whatever, whatever those, you know, awards end up being, but I just felt like there was a little bit of, you know, I just felt like to me, like, they have so overachieved to this point that, like, their run, it's a great run. And even if, if it ends in Cleveland, man, it was a great run. Congratulations. I, I just think the way Cleveland has built their football team, this is, you talk about a perfect storm, you know, perfect storm situation. For the Cleveland Browns to be able to go out and get Joe Flacco off the scrap heap and have him fit into an offense in which Kevin Stefanski is the head coach. Well, remember when when Joe Flacco was really playing well, you know, who was the offensive coordinator for for John Harbaugh.
0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for walk qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. due $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: Any clue? It was it was Kubiak. You know where Stev- Steven uh, you know where Stefanski yep. started his coaching career? Under Kubiak, right? That's where he got. That's where he got his chops when Kubiak was in Minnesota, Stefanski was there. And so it's like this perfect storm offense that fits directly into what the Cleveland Browns do, run the football, attack the edges on the wide zone, use the play pass, use the bootkeep game, and then the deep throws over the middle of the football field, whether it's a deep over, whether it's a deep in-cutting route. I mean, one thing about Joe Flacco, he has got a hose, man. He can let mm-hmm. it eat, and he loves those type of throws. So it's like this perfect storm offense that he falls into. And by the way, you know, I saw somebody write this or, or talk about this on the internet, that the script writers. Like Joe Flacco, the, the Watson deal, yeah. out of Houston to Cleveland. He's not playing. Houston comes to Cleveland. Joe Flacco replacing him. Um, it just is like it couldn't be – there couldn't be a better script for this weekend than that. I, I think I think Cleveland's going to – I think Cleveland's going to roll in this game.
2: Well, we have some storylines all all over these wild card games. Tyreek Hill going back to Arrowhead. And mm-hmm. I, I know that Kansas City has looked vulnerable all season long, and, and I probably should go into this game still thinking that way, but – I don't know. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey. It's it's Arrowhead. It's gonna be really cold. I guess I'm not willing to write off the old Chiefs until I guess it's painfully obvious.
1: Correct. I you know, you know me. I don't believe in the flip the script or flip the switch yep. mentality, right? Um, but I happen to believe in it with Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best defense they've ever had going in the playoffs. And I think, I think they'll find a way. The other thing is, does anybody truly believe in the Miami Dolphins? Does anybody like the more they move on and the more it's like, (laughs) Hey, you know, we're this and we're that. And we're like, Oh, mm," the more I just look at them like, Oh, it's just the same old Miami Dolphins, you know? And then you're going to go play in a cold Kansas city. And I just, I just feel like they've only beaten one team with a 500 above record they just you know they the way they finish the season not being able to you know not being able to cash in not being able to win close games um I just I don't know I just they just feel like they're fraudulent to me and so yeah I like I like Kansas City I know they haven't produced offensively like we're used to them producing but I just have a feeling that um that this is what they've been waiting for and I still feel like Kansas City' is one of the most dangerous teams in the AFC